Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Thank you. What a privilege and an honor it is to gather with you. I always get so excited to come here and be with you guys. It's such a privilege and a pleasure and an honor. Um, The Hiltons, Steve and Melody, have sown into my life for so long and so many years. It's wonderful to have an opportunity to share at least a little bit back. Um, So it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, Let's pray. Lord, I just am marveled at the awesomeness of the grace of your presence. Holy Spirit, Jesus said that you are our comforter and counselor, and you will reveal to us what is to come. So, Lord, we pray that you will speak through me to our ears, that we may hear, receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, Apostle Steve was teaching on utilizing the kingdom, and um, I was caught by the statement that not everything in the kingdom is automatically engaged. You have to utilize it. So um, my hope is that today, instead of doing a teaching like I normally do, I feel like the Lord wants me to share a testimony and my journey. And um, because, right, we overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, and not loving our lives to death. In uh, 2013, right here, Dr. Sharon Stone gave a prophetic word. And in that word, she said, God is not looking to bless a company, but to bring forth the testimony of a transformed company. So I was assigned to a committee. Um, It was to reorganize the company, this massive reorganization. And um, I thought, okay, this is it. Here comes big transformation. Um, And then when that committee just blew up and nothing came of it, I thought, God, what's going on? What happened? Is not this word to be fulfilled? Well, three years later, Connie and I, my wife and I, were down in a CIIGAP conference down in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. And Dr. Ed Silvoso was a guest speaker, and he spoke on transformation. It was the first time we ever heard him speak, um, and he spoke on transformation. And I learned that that is what God meant about transformation. That in order to fulfill the Great Commission, Jesus said, before he ascended, go and make disciples of all nations. And what Dr. Ed was pointing out was, it's make disciples of all nations, not in all nations. So it's not just about saving souls. It is about saving souls, but it's not just about saving souls. It's about discipling a nation. Well, how do you disciple a nation? Nation is discipled when the people are transformed. And that's what I hope to tell you about today, share this walk. And I learned that day that a pulpit can be a keyboard and a mouse. A congregation can be an org chart. That I'm responsible for transforming my family and my neighborhood. And he gave us the tools of how and why. So I don't know if any of you know my background, but I was a VP at a Fortune 500 company. I was running an organization over 2,000 people. But my life was not threatening to the devil because I was pursuing a career, not my calling. And I would have thought that God could use a person, a kingdom-minded person, who has influence over thousands of people tremendously for the advancement of his kingdom on earth. But God had a different plan, right? 1 Corinthians 1.26, God chose the foolish to shame the wise, the weak to shame the strong, the low and despised to bring to nothing things that are 
so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. <clears throat> so the Lord was teaching me, beware of following what the world celebrates, what the world prioritizes, what the world values, because God has a whole different way. His ways are different. His values are different. His priorities are different. So God said to leave this position in this company and start a new one. So uh, in 2019, we did that. <clears throat> now, this was a significant change in our lives. We were enjoying a pretty handsome compensation package. We had, I had title and position and influence with thousands of people, right, looking up to me. And we had to give it all up, go back down to zero, start all over. So in coming out, um, <clears throat> I didn't realize how big my ego got. But the challenge of ego, I mean, if we can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, the real sin began when Adam and Eve had thoughts that strayed away from God. Right? I had all these thoughts on how to create this company, how to build it. I, I had all these connections. I read reputation. I was having lunch and coffee with some of the most significant and influential leaders in the Beltway around Washington, D.C., but nothing came to fruition from my efforts. <clears throat> God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble, James 4, 6. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives forth to death. The sin was my thoughts that originated not in God, but in me. So I asked the Lord, how do you want me to start this company? Well, so the first thing the Lord did before answering that question was he led me to 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul is dealing with the thorn in the flesh. And the Lord says, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. And the Lord was saying, stop depending upon your own abilities. Yes. The word astenea, which is weakness, means lacking strength. But it also means lacking the capacity to understand. So God's power finds its full expression when we don't have the capacity to understand what he's doing, what's going on. 1 Samuel chapter 18. David just defeated Goliath. Saul won't let David return to his family. He brings him into the palace. But on the way to the palace, the women are singing, Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul gets jealous. So Saul tries to find an assignment for David to get him out of the palace so he can get away from this jealousy that's constantly tormenting Saul. And he assigns David to command a unit within his army. And in verse 14, it, Scripture says, And David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. Did you catch that? It wasn't David's abilities, right? It was God's presence. It wasn't David working for God. It was David working with God. David wasn't acting alone. God was an active participant. How much more successful could we be if we partnered with the one who knows more, has more knowledge than all the internet, right? <laughs> And Google. <laughs> the Lord was reminding me, it wasn't my abilities, but his presence. So the Lord wouldn't allow this new company to get off the ground off of my own strength. Yeah. 
Thank God. Can you see the blessing in that? Can you see what would happen if, if, I, if it was successful on my own strength? Right? It was his blessing that that wasn't successful. There are times when God withholds because there's a, he's got something better. <clears throat> By depending upon my strengths, the world gets me. But yielding my abilities and seeking his plan, then the world gets God. So this was God's first lesson on how to get empty of self. Um, you know, repentance in the Greek is metanoia. Meta meaning after and noia meaning to know. So it's kind of like an aha moment after the fact, right? <laughs> but it means turn around, right? But isn't repentance really about turning away from self toward God? Colossians 1.9, my wife's favorite verse, Connie's favorite verse, that you would receive the perfect knowledge of God's pleasure over your lives. What a concept. You know, we, we all hear about God's power and God's miracles, and thank you, Joel, for just leading such worship and inviting the presence of the Lord. And Rebecca, sorry. But God takes pleasure over our lives. Chris Valentin says, there's three characteristics of intimate relationships. One is peace from being accepted, not having to prove who I am. Yeah. Two is enjoying each other, the, the pleasure of each other's company. And three is transparency and communication. God enjoys the pleasure of our company, and he looks forward to the invitation to be invited into doing work with us. Because, right, when God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, right, he said to Adam to work the garden, Hebrew word avah, which means to work and to worship. So God designed our work to be the premier form of worship. Yes. So when we're in the marketplace ministry, like Melody said, we're not disqualified from ministry. In fact, we have the opportunity to give the greatest worship to the Lord through our work, the original Garden of Eden plan. In Luke 9.24, Jesus said, for if you choose self-sacrifice, giving up your lives for my glory, you will embark on a discovery of more and more of true life. When we empty out and voluntarily give up ourselves for the Lord, we have begun and initiated the journey to find true life. <clears throat> The key to maximum fulfillment is to get out of God's way, lay down our thoughts and plans, and to partner with him. How to seek and trust him. How to move from working for him to working with him. So back to my question, Lord, how do you want me to start this business? Okay, so the first thing he did was say, get out of the way. And then the next thing was... <clears throat> He answered my question with a question. And he said, what do you have in your hand? The same question that he asked Moses when Moses was to, you know, being commissioned to lead the children of Israel out of, <clears throat> out of Egypt. Similar question to what Jesus said before they fed the 5,000. Yeah. What do you have in your hand? Let's start with where you're at. Yeah. Well, I didn't have contracts or revenue or customers. The only thing that I had at that moment were four company values that God taught at the beginning of my business life. And they are that business is tricky. Trust, respect, commitment, integrity, TRCI. So 
trust. And as when Dr. Melody says that we've partnered in business, one of the things is um, Dr. Melody came down to the DC area and gave lots of training and equipping to my staff. And one of them was she taught us that trust is built upon competence and character. So trust is the ability to rely on each other built upon competence and character. And the scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? right? It doesn't say, trust in my own abilities with all my heart, yeah. right? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. And there's that understanding again. We don't have to get it to get it, right? <laughs> Next was respect. Respect sets a culture of honor that values every person. Um, Philippians 2.3, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Yeah. And when we do that, when we honor everyone else as more valuable than we are, yeah. we set the tone and culture of respect. Commitment is pressing through adversity to completion. And the ultimate one is Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Endured the cross. So here is Jesus who endured the most severe torture that any human being will ever endure because it was directly receiving the wrath of the devil. And Jesus never said, time out. Jesus never said, I'm out. He never bailed on us. And if he never bails on us in going to the cross, he will never bail us in walking with us through any trial we go through. The last one is integrity. The character to adhere to moral and ethical standards. And Jesus set the standard. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Integrity goes above the legal. And it does basically what the Lord says to do. It's a higher standard. So tricky is the foundation. Trust, respect, commitment, integrity. So the Lord said... What do you have in your hand? Well, the, four thing, the only thing I had in my hand were these four company values. So Katie helped us publish, word those well, and design it well, and it got published on our website. And I didn't think anything else of it. Well, it came time, the Lord brought a contract to us. Notice, I didn't go win a contract. The Lord brought a contract to us. The customer called us. Can you help us? So when it came time to recruit, I started to think, why in the world would anyone want to give up their secure position with the big company with lots of options and opportunities and come work for a small micro startup one-person company? Well, they started reading our company values. And seasoned software developers have lived life. They have been in abusive, and even hostile work environments. And when they saw a company that was deliberately trying to set out to build a healthy, enriching cultural environment, they welcomed that opportunity. These company values that I thought were nothing became a major attractant to people. God knows better. God knew what he was doing. He was establishing our company foundation. <clears throat> but the Lord also wanted to work on my personal foundation. I was confronted with who I am when I stopped doing who I wasn't. Because remember, I was pursuing a career, not my calling. And I stopped doing who I wasn't career, and I started fulfilling my calling. But now I'm confronted with who am I? This was the hardest part of the journey. Because how many know when you take the first step toward your destiny, the devil is going to be there to resist you, 
every step of the way. And so, and did, have you ever noticed the devil never attacks you in the places where you're secure and strong? He always attacks you in the places where I'm not quite sure. I have lived my life in such a performance-based mentality. And I learned that when I excel, I get accepted. Conditional love. But I am not what I do. So the enemy started hurling lies at me, accusations that I wasn't good enough, that I didn't belong here, that the prophetic word that I received from Dr. Sharon Stone right here in 2013, it had been too many years. It's expired. It's unfulfilled. It's expired. You know, and when you're not sure, right, it becomes a battle. So I was sure that God said to leave my previous position in company, right? So Connie and I decided to do that and to start a new one, and we did that, right? So that was not the area of attack. But I was not sure who I was and why I was here. So get this. God, Mark Twain said, oh, hang on, let me back up. I'm getting ahead of myself. I got depressed. Depression is the deception of seeing life from our perspective. And that's why the garment of praise is for the spirit of heaviness. Because what happens when we praise? Our focus shifts off of self up to God. Right? And that's how we defeat depression. Because we get to focus off of us and back onto him. But there were two revelations that Connie and I learned in this process. One is the real deep um, impacts of generational curses. Every time a decision is made and a sin is committed, there's a curse that is invited. And according to Scripture, God said, second commandment, Exodus, I'm a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the Father to the Son, to the third and fourth generation. What does that mean? That means my great-great-grandparents, whom I've never met, there are sins that they committed that the iniquity flows down to me. Not the sin. Each man dies for his own sin. Not the sin, but the iniquity. The iniquity is the propensity to sin, right? David, the great man after God's own heart, fell into adultery. Why? Four generations back was who? Rahab the prostitute. Four generations back, we don't know. The only way we're going to get rid of them is only through partnering with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will reveal. Um, yeah, 1 Peter 1, 18, from the empty and futile way, so your lives were ransomed from the empty and futile way of life handed down from generation to generation. So that's kind of the scripture to evidence the New Testament flow, flow down that we have to deal with. The other one, and probably the more important one, was ungodly beliefs. So our belief system is the engine from which we make our decisions, right, in the soul. But if somewhere way back when, actually anywhere in our way back when, if we have believed a lie, then our engine gets warped and we'll make a decision that goes astray from God. And that decision we make, that engine is built upon a lie we believed, which um, the Kilshers call an ungodly belief. And so that's a stronghold that needs to be brought out and dealt with. And we need to go through the process of um, bringing out, exposing the lie, replacing it with the truth, and then that takes some time. And, and there's debate in the Christian circles on whether that's 21 days or 40 days, so I always do 40 days, right? Be safe. To overturn that belief and to correct that ungodly belief in our belief engine so that, why? 
so that we don't repeat that sin again. Because the devil will go dormant for decades and know that that ungodly belief is in there in our decision engine and wait like a master fisherman to set the hook at the opportune time because there's a, there's a, a flaw in our belief engine, our decision-making engine. And he'll use it at the opportune time to pull us on it. And we're like, wait a minute, I've been through healing, I've been through deliverance, why am I doing this again? Because the ungodly belief, the lie that we believed that warped our decision engine wasn't dealt with. That was the key. So we were dealing with the strongholds of shame, fear, and control, right? Orphan spirit, I talked about that before here. Adam and Eve, Adam, where are you? Oh, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid, right? Naked, shame, afraid, fear, so I hid, control. It's the original stronghold that the devil placed in us from the Garden of Eden, and it's one of the most common. And ultimately, we were dealing with identity issues and false identities, Mark Twain said, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. The day you find out why. The Lord would not reveal the why until he revealed my identity. I needed to know who I am in God first. I needed to rest in who I am. Steve was saying yesterday, I'm a human being, not a human doing. It's all about being his child. We are his child, his heir. We inherit. We are co-heirs with Jesus. We're equal heirs with Jesus. That is amazing. We are part of God's family. God has no grandchildren. We are first generation from God. He's my loving Papa. He will never, we just sang, He will never abandon us, never forget us, never leave us. He knows what's best for us. He wants what's best for us. And He'll do what's best with us when we partner with Him. Okay, so the second revelation was <clears throat> the latter. So now, year two, the Lord is now starting to explain why I was to leave the company, the big position, big salary, big reputation, and climb off of that ladder and come all the way down to the ground. The Lord said, you can't fix the cracks in your foundation from the top of the ladder. I was too wrapped up in career, in progress, in culture. I ignored my character issues. You know, distance, the further away we get from something, increases perspective. We can see more broadly. But distance also blurs detail. The further away we get from something, the less detail we can see. So in order to deal with cracks in my foundation, the Lord had to get me off of the ladder all the way back down to the ground so I could see everything, the character flaws in my life. And I felt like the Lord was saying to Connie and me that the more we allowed him to heal the cracks in our foundation, the higher he could build on us. The next scripture, Colossians 3, 4. <clears throat> this was like the, the silver bullet. <clears throat> and as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed. For you are now one with him in his glory. Did you catch that? As Jesus is seen for who he really is, our identity then gets revealed. Who we really are then gets revealed. So you get that? The key is first to see Jesus for who he really is. 
then we get to understand who we really are. That's huge. But there's cataracts in our eyes if we're self-focused. So we got to get rid of those cataracts on our eyes first. And that's why the Lord said, right, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power finds its full expression through your weakness. You don't have to understand. You don't have to have everything together. You just have to remove yourself from the equation. Our perspective is clouded by self. Biblical example, the Pharisees. The Pharisees were so wrapped up in their reputation, their uh, perception, their flowing robes, that they looked into the eyes of God himself and they missed him. God himself was walking the planet. They looked square in his eyes and they missed him. How can you miss God? How? Self. Self is the impediment to seeing God for who he really is. So God had to humble me to get me out of the way so that he could reveal who he is and then who I am. That was huge. That was huge. So envision with me for a second. So I'm starting to really gain a good sense of my identity and destiny, why God created me, why he placed me on the earth for such a time as this. Can you imagine what it would be like to work in a company where everybody knew their identity in God and everybody was working in there toward their destiny? Wow, right? Powerful. So Melody does one-on-one sessions with each person that we hire. She provides, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a counseling. Would you call it counseling? Coaching, a coaching session. So what they do is they take the core value index, which is a value survey, and then she provides a one-on-one 90-minute session with them to help them understand their results. It's the first step in speaking into their identity, who they are. And so now Melody also, she does coaching at the team level. We gather, well, we try to be gathering monthly, but we skipped a couple of months, but so that we can refresh and dig deeper and go deeper, right? And then I'm being more purposeful in my one-on-one sessions with each of the employees that I do weekly to help them understand who they are, and why God placed them here. And that just takes a lot of prayer to listen up to what the Lord is saying, who he created them to be, and then just be a vessel to communicate that to them. So the transformation of nations, right? The the Great Commission, we are all commissioned to make disciples of the nations, but discipling nations starts with discipling individuals. So the rudder. How much of our culture's problems today are rooted in identity confusion? We don't know what gender we are. We don't know what sexuality we are. We don't know where we're going, what we're doing, why we're here, what to major in, what to do for life. How much of our culture's problems could be solved if we could help enable everyone else around us to understand why God placed them here? So let me, one of the things I struggled with was, okay, God. So my wife, another one of my wife's favorite scriptures, Connie loves, is in Ephesians 1, where God says, um, before I laid the foundations of the universe, I knew you. So Connie, I love the way she tells this. She says, so God, before he lays the foundation of the universe, he said, I am designing Loretta. I am designing um, Larry. I'm designing Laura, all right? I'm designing, et cetera, Aaron. And then he looks at the creation in his design. He says, oh, this one is awesome. And then he tucked you into his heart. 
until the time was right to release you to earth for such a time as this. So my question to the Lord was, Lord, why would loving God release his children into the devil demon infested earth? Right? Why? Why would he do that to his kids? Good question. So how about Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the devil. Nothing will by any means harm you. Right? He said in Romans that the God of peace will soon put Satan under whose feet? Our feet. Our feet. We have, as, 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 as Debbie did, we have the stomping anointing, right? <laughs> For this purpose, the Son of Man was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. And we are co-heirs with Jesus, right? We are brothers and sisters with Jesus. You think we have the same purpose? To destroy the works of the devil? So get this. Here's the threat. And I said at the beginning, my life as the Fortune 500 company, you know, bigwig, was not threatening to the devil because I was pursuing career, not my calling. But as, when you start to get your identity known and then your destiny, who you become a threat to the devil and his demons. Why? Because you fulfilling your destiny, that is going to include destroying the works of the devil. Jesus said in Luke 4, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, right? He's reciting Isaiah. And he says, I'm here, to, I've come to minister to the poor, the blind, the captive, and the prisoner. And if you look at that, those are four levels of Regional poverty. The poor is financial poverty. The blind is spiritual poverty. The captive is motivational poverty. And what's the other one? Captive and prisoner is um, relational poverty. I can tell you in D.C., we've got one of our biggest problems is relational poverty. We don't know how to overcome our left and right, liberal, conservative you know, God doesn't care whether you're left or right. God just cares that you listen to his voice and do what he says. doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. We got to get over this. Anyway. <clears throat> Almost done. So revival is a midpoint to the goal. Just like saving souls is a midpoint to discipling nations. We have to save souls in order to disciple nations, but saving souls is not where we stop. Revival also is not where we stop. Because if a revival were the only answer so that we can worship God 24-7 and bask in his glory 24-7, then why not just pray for a heart attack, die, go to heaven, and be there 24-7 and worship him? But we've got a works of the devil to destroy. We've got to advance the kingdom of God. It's not the government that's going to save us. It's God that's going to save us. It's not the government's agenda. It's God's agenda that's going to save us. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16. The Greek word for world is cosmos. God so loved the world. So get this, he did not use the word, word ethnos, for God so loved the people of the world. He used the word cosmos because he wants the entirety of the world, not just people saved. He wants the systems and businesses and government and schools to be just as saved as you are. Yes. How do I know that? Because... In Acts 3.21, it says, um, Jesus, he, for he, Jesus, must remain in heaven until the times of restoration are complete. The Greek word for restoration means 
to the original pre-fall condition. So wait, so as Bishop Hammond always used to say, um, how do we know when Jesus is coming back? Well, when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Amen. But when is that? It's when, Acts 3.21, when the times when all things are restored to him, then he comes back. So it's not that we're, we're sitting in some Christian bunker waiting for the devil to start bringing all kinds of tribulation and doom and destruction to the world. It's Jesus is waiting for his ecclesia, the church, his body of Christ, to manifest the restoration to the pre-fall condition. Colossians 1.19, for it was the Father's good pleasure to reconcile all things to himself. Not just all people, all things to himself. He wants systems re reconciled as much as people. Yes. Identity, yeah, there's my, identity is the rudder of destiny against the winds of culture and distraction. When we're on course, and we are heading toward our destiny, you can be sure the devil and his demons are going to work overtime on us because we are moving in the right direction. Identity is what holds us on the course because that's the filter we start to use that, nope, that's not me. I'm not going that way. Nope, that's not my priority. God's not calling me. I don't feel God in that. I'm not going there. The devil is constantly trying to bring a crosswind through culture and distraction to get us off course. So we've got to be strong in our identity. Remember I said the devil gets us in the places where we're unsure? So the assignment is to get sure of who we are and why we're here, yes. right? So I don't quite have the scriptural basis for this, but here's what I believe. I believe that God designed unique identity for all of us, Right? I don't think that's, that's arguable. I don't think you'll argue with me on that. But I also believe God gives identity and destiny to organizations. I believe nations have unique identities in God. Yeah. I believe that states have unique, right? The 50 states. I believe certain companies are called by God and have identities in him. So what does that mean? That means once we get our personal, individual identity and destiny down, is to start to foster and shepherd the corporate identity of who we are in the company we work for, the government, or whatever. <clears throat> and why? Because Jesus said in Matthew 7, 23, I, uh, Jesus will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, indicating that our reputation in heaven is important, yeah. right? But in Luke 10.20, Jesus said, however, your real source of joy isn't merely that these spirits submit to your authority, but that your names are written in the journals of heaven. So I theorize from that that it's not just our reputation in heaven that matters. It's also our reputation in hell. When we're a threat to the devil, we, all of us, we will get a lot of attention, right? In hell as much as heaven. Right? So we got to be prepared for that and go in with our eyes open. Um, it takes more energy to be who we aren't than to be who we are. Because there's a rest, there's a peace in just resting in who we are. And when we're in an environment like this at Giving Light, where it's safe to be who we are, right? then we can be transparent and we can enjoy the pleasure of each other's company. And thus, that's why, you know, next weekend's, Gathering, social gathering, so that we can express how much we enjoy each other's company. Let me close with this. I want to give you an example of walking with God. So I've shifted from working for God to working with God. And so the way that manifests is I try to take an hour each morning to do a short little devotional and then spend the rest of the time with my phone, cell phone to take notes, to draw or journal what I hear the Lord say and to give him every morning 
almost an, a, a full hour of time to speak. And I write down what I feel like I hear the Lord say. And here's what's happened. There are some times when the Lord, I think I'm hearing the Lord say this, and it doesn't come to pass. And the time frame is already gone. So you know what? That wasn't God. So that kind of trains my spiritual ears to hear that, oh, so that's, I'm learning that that's not God's voice. But all the other times that, yeah, this came to be, <clears throat> that's developing God's voice. So I started this new discipline. So um, <clears throat> we, um, we had a vendor um, that helps us with recruiting. And... Um, there was a lot of turmoil and turnover. All the people above the person that I was working with and the recruiter below left the company. I was getting nervous, so, and I was having a conversation with another company anyway, so I cut a deal with a second company, and they both were recruiting for the same position, and we ended up going with the second company. Well, the first company, the original company, got offended. And in my prayer time, one of the first times I sat down, the Lord said, reconcile with vendor one. So what happens when the Lord speaks, right? The devil and his demons just try to get wedge, wiggle their way in. So here are the thoughts. Uh, you know what, Kevin? You were right after all. You were right in that situation. You have the right to look out for your business and be concerned and provide other mechanisms and ways to recruit when all the turnover happened. But how many people know that God doesn't really care about who's right? He, wants, he cares more about who's loving. The second one was, you know what? You don't need them anyway. Now that you have this new company, you can shift everything and go to vendor two. And that didn't feel right. And that didn't sound like God either. Right, because you know you can hear that something. You can hear the hiss of the devil's voice sometimes. He he just he just can't get it all down sometimes. So, but I struggled. Okay, Lord, how do I do this? Well, He led me to Matthew, chapter five, and I just happened to be scanning across and reading this particular chapter and Beatitudes and Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus says. So then, if you are presenting a gift before the altar in the temple and suddenly remember a quarrel you have with a fellow believer, and they are believers, leave your gift there in front of the altar and go at once, and here is it, to apologize with the one who was offended, right? So I was not the one who was wrong. What am I apologizing for, <laughs> Right? But that was the key, is to apologize to the one who's offended. Not the one who's offended apologize to me. It's me apologizing to the one who's offended. So I did what the Lord said. And I wrote a long email. And I hit send. 30 minutes later, I get this beautiful, warm, receptive, rec fully receiving reconciliation email back. Later on that afternoon... We get a call from our customer. Hey, we approved two more positions for you. Growth was stuck behind the offense. The offense created a wall. The Lord knew that wall was there and wanted it torn down. That wall is only torn down by reconciliation. And to reconcile, it was my apology to her. And the Lord broke it down. The blessings waiting behind the dams of offense are released through the breakthrough of offenses overcome. So let's pray. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Father God, we are just so thankful for your heart that wants us to be aligned and partnered with you. How amazing is that? the strongest guy in all the universe, the most loving person in all the universe, the most knowledgeable, and yet the most caring. Thank you, Lord, that you care so much for us. You have a purpose for us. Lord, we pray that we would get out of the way. You'd bless us with the, the, the process of how to get out of your way so that we can see Jesus more clearly 
so that we could know who we really are. As we come to know, Jesus, who you really are, really are, that you would bless us to know who you've created us to be, who we really are. I just bless, release favor and anointing and protection in the name of Jesus. Amen. Stand here a second. Um, if you can connect uh, the things that Kevin shared, could you just stand up? Would you just just pray over them? Lord, we come before you, recognizing and exalting you as the almighty, all-powerful, yet all-loving one. Jesus, we are so thankful that you endured the cross, went all the way to the cross. You didn't bail out. You went all the way because you love us that much. Oh, Lord, you know better. And we will get so much joy and so much fulfillment when we partner with you. Lord, would you bless us yes. with the anointing to see how we've been in your way? Would you bless us with the removal of the spiritual cataracts on our eyes that we can see you more clearly? And Lord, I release that vision to see you, Jesus, for really who you are. And Lord, that you would show us who we really are in the process. And Lord, may that stir up deeper fellowship. May that release greater joy that is our strength. May that release purpose and renewed mission and renewed energy. And Lord, may we be stronger. May we be empowered to walk out who you've called us to be, to fulfill your destiny for us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.